Thank you for listening to the Shakespeare and Company podcast with me, Adam Miles, recorded in our writer's studio just above the bookshop at Kilometre Zero in Paris. If you enjoy these conversations, there are a few different ways you can support us. First of all, you can leave a rating right now in whatever podcast app you're using. The more ratings we get, the more likely it is that people will discover us. It only takes a few seconds and can really help spread the word. You can also buy books, gifts and apparel from our online store, shakespeareandcompany.com, where you'll find our popular Year of Reading subscription. 12 books handpicked by our dedicated booksellers, shipped to you or a loved one wherever they are in the world. Finally, you can become a friend of Shakespeare and Company by joining the association we set up to get us through a difficult few years. Membership gives you access to exclusive online content, as well as other treats depending on the tier you choose. Find out more at friendsofshakespeareandcompany.com. I'll be back at the end, but until then, sit back and enjoy the Shakespeare and Company podcast. After Krishan receives a call informing him that Rani, his grandmother's former caretaker, has recently died in a sudden and brutal fashion, he makes the decision to travel from Colombo to her native northern province to attend her funeral. As he rides the train, his thoughts turn to the past, both personal and societal, the most significant romantic relationship of his young life, how it grew and how it ended, but also Sri Lanka's brutal civil war and its aftermath. In this way, A Passage North is a journey forward through space, but also backwards into memory, or, as Krishan reflects at a moment, a journey from the south of his mind to its own distant northern reaches. A Passage North is a masterclass in restraint and tone, conjuring a deeply affecting, layered story in mesmerising crystalline prose. It is this mastery that has recently seen Anuk Arad Pragasam shortlisted for the 2021 Booker Prize, and I'm delighted to say that he joins us in the writer's studio today. Anuk, welcome to Shakespeare and Company. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, when I was thinking about where to begin this conversation, um, it struck me that it's quite actually quite difficult to find a way in, partly because A Passage North is a book which unfolds very sort of gently and very and takes its time to sort of reveal itself um, to the reader. Um, so where I thought we would begin is with Krishan. How did this character reveal himself to you? Was it in the writing of the book, in the drafting as the book developed? Was it as he reveals himself to us, sort of slowly, gradually, layer by layer, if you like? Or was it more... Did he come to you more fully formed? It's a good question because I don't actually often think in terms of characters when I begin to... Mm. When I begin to write, really, I I usually start with with I have certain images, I have certain observations, I have um, certain moods and a kind of maybe a kind of a major mood uh, that will that I want to run through the text. But I don't often think in terms of of characters. And in that sense, I'm not sure that Krishan is a very um, interesting character per se. Uh, or at least um, he's surrounded in the book by by people who have uh, more fascinating stories and more painful stories. Um, and so, in a sense, Krishan uh, really was a kind of was a kind of vessel or a kind of consciousness mm-hmm. uh, through which I wanted to mediate uh, 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 this text response to the world that it is about. Um, 
and for that krishna needed to be needed to have certain kinds of um, he needed to be part of a certain social um, social class he needed to be middle or upper middle class he needed to be uh, bilingual um but really um really he's kind of uh, he's kind of a vessel um and i wanted the book to be unlike my first book something that was closer to my experience of the war mm-hmm. um which is to say from the point of view of not somebody who was uh who was uh in the midst of things mm-hmm. during uh, 2008 and 2009 in this uh, period of great great violence and death uh which was the perspective of my first novel and which mm-hmm. for me was a very much an imagined and projective uh, perspective sure. because i've had no no personal experience of war whatsoever um i wanted i wanted this text to be from the consciousness or from the point of view of somebody who was standing outside who was watching uh uh from a distance who was witness which was in fact the the case for most tamils um most tamils from the north and east uh because 1 and 1/2 million 1 and 1/2 million tamils are diasporic and mm-hmm. so 1 and 1/2 million tamils watched as the other 1 and 1/2 million tamils was subject to this um to this kind of historical catastrophe and so i wanted to um i wanted to write a book about what it was to to witness in silence and be without agency mm-hmm. so krishan in a sense is a character without agency he mm. watches the present we assume is eternally before us one of the few things in life from which we cannot be parted it overwhelms us in the painful first moments of entry into the world when it is still too new to be managed or negotiated remains by our side during childhood and adolescence in those years before the weight of memory and expectation and so it is sad and little unsettling to see that we become as we grow older much less capable of touching grazing or even glimpsing it that the closest we seem to get to the present are those brief moments we stop to consider the spaces our bodies are occupying the intimate warmth of the sheets in which we wake the scratched surface of the window on a train taking us somewhere else as if the only way we can hold time still is by trying physically to prevent the objects around us from moving the present we realize eludes us more and more as the years go by showing itself for fleeting moments before losing us in the world's incessant movement fleeing the second we look away and leaving scarcely a trace of its passing or this at least is how it usually seems in retrospect when in the next brief moment of consciousness the next occasion we are able to hold things still we realize how much time has passed since we were last aware of ourselves when we realize how many days weeks and months have slipped by without our consent events take place moods ebb and flow people and situations come and go but looking back during these rare junctures in which we are for whatever reason lifted up from the circular daydream of everyday life we are slightly surprised to find ourselves in the places we are as though we were absent while everything was happening as though we were somewhere else during the time that is usually referred to as our life waking up each morning we follow by circuitous routes the thread of habit out of our homes into the world and back to our beds at night move unseeingly through familiar paths one day giving way to another and one way to the one week to the next so that when in the midst of this daydream something happens and the thread is finally cut when in a moment of strong desire or unexpected loss the rhythms of life are interrupted we look around and are quietly surprised to see that the world is vaster than we thought as if we'd been tricked or cheated out of all that time 
time that in retrospect appears to have contained nothing of substance, no change and no duration, time that has come and gone but left us somehow untouched. I find that really interesting that you say um, that Krishan isn't a particularly sort of interesting character in himself because that wasn't my feeling actually when I was mm. reading it. And I, th- I think it's certainly something that Krishan would think of himself. And it's interesting that you as the writer also think that of him because for me, one of the associations that I made, and this only came to me after I'd finished reading the novel, was he reminded me in certain ways of um, Marceau, uh, Camus' um, étranger, and who I, you know, I think is one of the most compelling characters in of 20th century literature, but also in many ways kind of a vessel uh, as well. And I think... Um, I suppose what sort of unites them in in my mind is this sort of sense of alienation and this sense of kind of disconnect that um, that you just uh, that you just mentioned this sort of separation from the historical events of of the war, but also you know a connection nonetheless. I mean, what, I think one of the most striking moments um, with Krishan and what and partly because it's so sort of underplayed in the book is um, there's a moment where you write that he's a, his father was killed in a bombing in Colombo, but he doesn't really consider himself particularly impacted by the violence of the war. Mm-hmm. And those two, um, those two sort of observations set alongside each other had had a really sort of powerful effect of creating this sense of kind of somebody who was, who'd been almost sort of emptied out by, uh, by his life, his life events. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, it's it's this detail that comes up very briefly at two mm. moments in the book, the fact that Krishan's father um, died and that he died in a, in a bomb mm. uh, uh, set off by the Tigers, one of the, uh, I guess, more famous, uh, famous uh, bombings in 1996. But he um, never really dwells on his father, mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like a space that he uh, that is surrounded by some kind of invisible wall. You don't mm-hmm. sense as you read the text that uh, that the character is avoiding something per se, but um, but it is a notable or a striking a striking absence, and it mm-hmm. comes together again with with this refusal to consider himself uh, a victim. Uh, or, or really victimized in the way that uh, that other people in his community have been victimized. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think yeah, it's not something that I again uh, I wanted to dwell on in this mm-hmm. book, uh, but I think I think that yeah, I think that is part of the book and his his the silence around around that subject and the silence around ways in which he has been affected also in a way. Mm. part of the text yeah 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 now you said he was sort of surrounded by um these more kind of uh interesting characters or ones that he may at least (laughs) find uh more interesting um and one of the or two of those characters rather and one of the sort of central relationships of the book although again it's something which we don't necessarily see play out as readers is the relationship between Krishan's grandmother and Rani, who, to whose funeral he is uh, he is travelling uh, through um, a great part of the of the narrative. Um, one thing that struck me 
uh, in the description. And I was interested to see that it was a word you use in the book, but actually in the publisher's description of the book, they use a slightly different word to refer to Rani. They refer to her as the caregiver, whereas in the book she's referred to as the caretaker. And I'm just curious, first of all, is that... Um, is that a sort of, because obviously the publisher I'm talking about is British based and and you're from Sri Lanka. So I'm wondering, is that a sort of a uh, a, a local difference or is there what something? What do they say in the UK? I think caregiver. Caregiver. Mm. And, and, and for us, caretaker would have more the sense of sort of, along the sort of US side of janitor, a sort of a slightly right. sort of... Um, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the text, we have caretaker. Mm-hmm. Right. Um Neither of these words, caretaker or caregiver, um, are words that uh, that we would use in in Sri Lanka mm-hmm. or in South Asia more generally. Uh, we would often say the lady mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, or the woman um, uh, or the person, or we would refer uh, if if I mean this is okay to have uh, to have a caretaker or a caregiver mm-hmm. uh, to have uh, somebody working uh, or performing this kind of labor in your house is a middle class thing. Mm-hmm. It's a middle and upper class thing in in South Asia, and um, among the middle classes, you would use uh, you would use the name of the person, or you would say. I mean, there are, there are, there's a there's a range of more. Uh, and less respectful ways of mm-hmm. referring to people who do this kind of labor, um, and there's no easy way to to, and they're very context dependent. And there's no easy way to to put it in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think maybe uh, my ambivalence about about which word to use. So the word nurse wouldn't work either, mm-hmm. um, because she's not employed there in a formal capacity, and she doesn't have uh, formal qualifications. Yeah. Um, and yet she is a kind of. Uh, I mean, this kind of labor, midwiving labor, mm-hmm. um, uh, taking care of the old, uh, cooking, cleaning, all sorts of uh, all sorts of this kind of uh, nourishing uh, domestic labor is is performed uh, is often is often paid for by the middle classes. But yeah, I mean, because it's such a it, it's a it's a fraught topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no easy way to I think to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and it's it's the kind of profession as well which leads to. Um, a certain sort of ambiguity in the relationship, I guess, because obviously the um, the idea of, of care, of looking after somebody, it's sort of, we you would think it comes from a sort of a human affection, a human sort of, it's a sort of an, a sort of an emotional act. Whereas when, of course, somebody is being paid to do it, there's this kind of transactional aspect to it. And that's something I found very interesting about the way um, the relationship between uh, the grandmother and uh, Rani is uh, portrayed in the sort of the, the light touch way in which you portray it is this sort of you you seem to sort of embrace that ambiguity in fact and it's not sort of like because something is transactional therefore it's sort of that undermines the potential for it to be a genuine sort of emotional relationship as well. Yeah, I mean this kind of I mean this kind of uh, distinction doesn't work in practice between all sorts mm-hmm. I mean all I mean in when it comes to care work or this kind of uh this kind of this kind of labor uh whether it's whether it's whether it's cooking being a being a cook being a cleaner uh being a sex worker uh being a nurse being uh, a doula mm-hmm. uh, or a, a midwife 
Um, and and so yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me, at least, to to assume that there is that these are purely transactional. Um, I mean, uh, and they're not. And often uh, and often they were part of uh, 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 an older pre-transactional life mm-hmm. world, uh, which I'm sure uh, uh, was was was. Um, was crooked in its structure in, in many other ways, but mm-hmm. uh, to to call these relationships transactional when they have older histories doesn't. I mean, I wouldn't assume that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, Rani um, comes from uh, the northern province down to Colombo to to look after uh, Krishan's grandmother, and. Um, one of the things we sort of, uh, which seems to kind of confuse. Krishan as well is sort of why uh, why this this woman would accept to uh, to make this journey to leave behind her village to leave behind her family. Um, could you sort of introduce our listeners who have not yet read the book to the character of Rani and just fill us in a little bit on her her backstory and some of the things that might have informed this this decision? Um, well, Rani is a woman who uh, was born in uh, the northern province um, in the in the northern part of the country the tamil speaking part of the country in uh, a district called kilinochi which was the kind of uh, uh, the kind of uh, beating heart of uh, the tamil tigers and the separatist movement um, especially after the 90s um, and so she really grew up uh, she really spent a lot of her life uh, got married had children uh, ran a house uh, in a separate country, mm-hmm. which uh, was then with the defeat of the Tigers in 2008 and 2009, uh, which kind of crumbled uh, around her. She was subject, like everybody else from this region, to uh, two years of uh, non-stop shelling mm-hmm. uh, by the Sri Lankan government, a period in which between forty and 150,000 civilians were killed. Uh, and so she's seen great violence, and she uh, has also been affected by this violence. Her youngest son dies... Uh, in a shell uh, on the penultimate day of the war, mm-hmm. May 17, 2009. Uh, and her older son uh, joins the Tigers when he's 16 mm-hmm. and is killed in fighting. Um, she's been especially affected by the death of her youngest son because because she was he was he was he was killed during a shell attack while they're moving between villages, she cannot uh, bury him. Mm-hmm. And she's traumatized by this, and the memory doesn't leave her. And so, even after the end of the war, uh, she's constantly visited by nightmares, by panic attacks, by terrors. She's unable to sleep uh, and is constantly having these visions. Uh, and Krishan meets her over mm-hmm. the course of his um, a period of two years in which he's doing social work in the in the north and east, to which he's driven by his guilt, mm-hmm. his his sense of. Uh, 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 he, the comfort of his own life, or the easy, the ease of his own life, um, and so through a series of uh, of, of 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 coincidences, uh, Rani ends up. Uh, Krishan's grandmother ends up needing needing someone to look after her, uh, while um, Krishan and his mother are at work, and and by series of coincidences, Rani enters uh, enters the picture and she she needs to leave her home in the hopes that she wants to leave her home in the hopes that or she's advised to leave her home in the hope that she um she can get away from these sites of trauma mm-hmm. and Colombo's very far it's the other side of the country and so she so she comes to work as um 
as the caregiver or caretaker yeah. of Krishan's grandmother. Yeah. And of course, we only really get to meet Rani after we know that she has already died and has died in a way, um, I won't go into too much detail, but in a sort of almost sort of accidental way, or at least that's um, that's uh, the way it has been understood and the way it's right. been interpreted. And that seems to um, to trouble Krishan deeply. That seems to sort of to, to really unsettle something in him that this 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 woman could have lived through so much violence and lived so close to so much violence and then died in seemingly such um an uh, an arbitrary way i guess what do you think it is about that arbitrariness that really unsettles him so much it's this sense i think that um and this is a, this was a real phenomenon uh, of of people who had survived, the civilians who had survived all the violence of the last two years, uh, uh, who had survived all the bombs and the shells, survived the camps that they were interned in afterwards, uh, uh, and so seemingly very hardy people, and yet who, in some kind of bizarre, unexpected way, died. There were a lot of accidents that if you if you read the Tamil news uh, mm-hmm. in the years after the war, in the in the in the middle pages, you'd see a lot of. There'd be fires, people falling into wells, a lot of people dying in accidents, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and Krishan worries that 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 actually there, there's a seed of some kind has been planted mm-hmm. in her that there's a uh, by the events of the events she's witnessed there's some kind of uh, trajectory now that has been placed inside her that is now pushing her in various ways towards um, towards death and mm-hmm. and there's this like. This is reflection in the in the in the early part of the book about how about this question of whether the whether the death is suicidal mm-hmm. uh, or accidental and what in fact it means to be uh, for death to be accident if one is uh, systematically putting oneself mm-hmm. in a, in situations in which something harmful could happen like he 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 wonders if there is some urge to to um, to eliminate herself. Or to disappear herself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that has led to this particular, uh, this particular death. It puts me in mind of a um, uh, an early case of um, of Carl Jung, who uh, he was he was treating a patient, and he uh, the patient told him about a dream where he the patient was a keen uh, mountain climber, and he had a dream where he cli- was climbing a mountain, and he got to the top, and he continued climbing. And Jung said to him, don't go on your next trip to the mountains. And the guy went on the next trip to the mountains and he died in an accident um, uh, during during his his um, wow. his trip. Um, and I, I think these are always fascinating um, sort of situations, because, as you said, sort of like there was this this series of things which people could kind of project onto and say, sort of. Could this be a sort of uh, sort of an unconscious suicidal urge but could they also equally be something uh for example in the case of krishan because even though the book is not told in the first person it's told in the kind of close third person we're always kind of with krishan's thoughts and his uh sort of his apprehension of the world um i think sort of equally interesting is this sense of sort of his willingness or perhaps tendency to to look for meaning in what other people have described as a sort of a, a straightforward accident. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
Krishan's uh, temperament is such that he's always, always in some kind of interpretive, un- mm-hmm. un- undertaking some kind of interpretive project, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, the people around him, uh, or whether it's um, the society of the northeast, whether it's rituals, rural r- village rituals that his mother or father might have seen, but that he, uh, having grown up in Colombo, has never seen, and. Uh, in virtue of being being university educated, mm-hmm. cannot um, uh, needs to rationalize in some mm-hmm. way, or needs to find an explanation for. So he's always in. He's always he, he is in this constant interpretive project, um, and and yeah, and so perhaps in a way, I mean yes, he is trying to. I mean his 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 trip to the north is it coincides with this period of of not knowing what to do or not mm-hmm. knowing where to go, of having returned to Sri Lanka in the hope of of doing some kind of rehabilitation work, mm-hmm. in the hope of being part of some kind of reawakening of life uh, and futurity in mm-hmm. the Northeast. And he realizes that it's impossible. Uh, and with the kind of loss of this this life project, he's also at a kind of loss. And the mm-hmm. loss has to do very much with the sheer... Um, scale of violence the sheer uh, scale the, sh- the sheer uh, the extent to which society in the northeast has been destroyed mm-hmm. uh, and has become fragmented uh, and 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 his sense uh, that uh, that he that he cannot that he cannot f- find any um, that he cannot orient his life around mm-hmm. around this project so. yeah 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 it's um that's one thing that really struck me um and i must confess a sort of a only a very sort of um cursory knowledge of the um the situation um in sri lanka particularly after after the the end of the war um but one thing that came across very clearly is this sense of as you say like this the society in the north it's not like there was a ceasefire and then there was a sort of uh, as you've seen in some places, a kind of process of reconciliation, of kind of coming together. It really felt like the sort of, as you say, like the the the, uh, the approach of the government was then to sort of essentially sort of flatten and sort of to erase traces of the wars. Like, um, you know, I, there's moments where you write about uh, graveyards being essentially kind of bulldozed and, you know, and and memorials removed and things like that. And that uh that seems to be a kind of a crucial um sort of piece of knowledge for i guess for understanding uh the sort of the perhaps the alienation that uh Krishan feels and also perhaps uh rani felt in her uh before she passed away yeah i think it's i think it's certainly um it's certainly connected i um yeah, I think yeah, I think that's right. I I it is it is a very uh, alienating uh, uh, situation. It's a it's a situation in which um, your greatest devastation, your greatest loss, is not recognized uh, by the the institutions of power around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore, in which uh, your history, uh, your biography is not is is not is not recognized, mm-hmm. and there's a 
you know, I don't know. I don't. I, I really don't know. I don't know what it would be like for f- for these deaths or for uh, uh, these acts of genocide to be uh, to be recognized mm-hmm. politically. And I don't know what also reconciliation means. I wonder what does. It's a nice word, but I I don't know what reconciliation for somebody who has mm. who has lost so much that their life has has been crashed. The life, the only life they have, like uh, what would it mean to them to have uh, uh, I don't know the death of the of their son or the or the disappearance of their daughter um, published somewhere or chiseled into stone somewhere. Uh, will that make the rest of their life worth living? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. These are questions I don't have answers for. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, that's the question is sort of, could it, what could ever be enough? Like, there's sort of, yeah. there's sort of... Input. Who will be reconciled and who will be reconciled to what? Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah. You made me think of a moment where, in the book, where um, you're writing about, um, sort of, Krishan has a, a moment of sort of understanding of, uh the way the reasons perhaps why Rani acted as she did and and you talk about um and I'm afraid it's probably going to be quite a clumsy paraphrase but, but this sort of uh that she sort of created this sort of space or this world kind of in her mind uh in which she could sort of um process isn't quite the right word because of reconstruct something yeah. Yeah. uh a life around her sons, essentially, yeah. around the family that she lost. And it struck me that, in fact, a lot of the the book is to do with sort of uh, the considering of the interior world as a, a landscape of some sort of which we navigate. And so with, with Krishan's journey to the north, and that there was that um, passage I, I quoted in the introduction, like it's sort of, it's a... Uh, a passage from the the southern reaches to the northern reaches of his mind as well. Um, And earlier when you were were talking about his father, you said, you know, this was sort of a space that he, you know, had sort of fenced off. And I thought that was really interesting given the the general um, context of the novel. Um, What do you think is the sort of the, the connection between the sort of the physical space, the sort of exterior landscape and the sort of the memories and recollections and sort of um, perhaps processing things like grief and trauma. Do you think the sort of it is possible to to sort of to, to separate the two? Like you talked about the Tamil uh, diaspora earlier. Do you think these are it, uh, being sort of separated from the context of the of the trauma and of the of the violence makes it harder in some way to 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 accept? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, the, the yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, incidentally, they, um, there is a big Tamil diasporic population in La Chapelle here in mm, Paris. Course, and yeah. uh, they've been, uh, the businesses still remain, but over the last 10 years or so, they've been, uh, the prices have been increasing and they've mm-hmm. been pushed out into various um, suburbs, one of which is Sevron. Ah. Um, I don't know if you've been there, but they have yeah. their... Um, they have a little um, memorial stone to right. to um, that they've planted in a public garden, actually, mm-hmm. they, with the, with the municipality of Sevran, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, memorializes um, uh, 
memorializes. Uh, <laughs> although they, funnily, they've also inscribed a number of dead. They've, uh, I can't remember what it was, maybe 15,000 or 40,000. And, mm-hmm. and my friend who was showing it to me <laughs> told me that was before we knew the real, <laughs> we right, knew right, the real, yeah. the, the real uh, death count. And so, but we, we, have, we, we can't afford a new stone. Uh-huh. Uh, we can't get it rechiseled. But, uh, so I do think uh, in in various spaces that are safe, people try to uh, try to find ways to memorialize in concrete and in mm-hmm. physical ways. Um, but uh, there's this question. I mean, in the book, yeah. I mean, there's this discussion about memory and how memory needs um, objects mm-hmm. to function. That it is tied to objects, and when you remove the objects or the the physical um, uh, the concrete um, existences that are tied to specific times or phases, you also remove our anchor mm-hmm. to those uh, to those times and and, and phases. Um, and there is also this thing about um, this is long description of of, of mourning of mm-hmm. the of the mourning rituals, the the Saivite mourning rituals of the people of the of of, of a number of Tamils in the North and East. Um, and it talks about the significance of an object mm-hmm. in those rituals, uh, the way in which those rituals are um, are organized around uh, um, the object of grief becoming mm-hmm. increasingly insubstantial, mm-hmm. the movement from the from the corpse uh, to the um, to the ash mm-hmm. to the photograph, mm-hmm. um, increasingly virtual and increasingly more abstract. But how an object is needed, the corpse is needed, and uh, 2008 and 2009 most people who lost relatives um everybody lost somebody mm-hmm. uh had to leave the body behind right. or in a context in a camp in which the the they could not um take the body through the stages that mm-hmm. are part of that are part of uh, the funeral ritual so so objects are required for mourning too and most of these people even lacked objects mm-hmm. the people who survived had to cross a lagoon They'd been traveling. Uh, ac- they'd been traveling across the northeast for for two years, and then finally, they're progressively leaving more and more of their things behind. And the final stage, they had to cross a large lagoon. Mm-hmm. And at this stage, most of them were only able to hold on to identity cards, not photographs. They had to give up even photographs, which were the, before the ID cards, which were needed. They knew to be uh, processed by the Sri Lankan army. They they gave away. Um, they like left behind. A lot of them had to leave behind photos. So even this final stage of grief, they they were no longer able to uh, pass through. Um, and so there's this question of yes, what happens when uh, when you're not able to physically, for whatever reason, political or catastrophic, you are not able to. Uh, you don't have uh, the physical tokens or the physical objects by which uh, memory, imagination. Uh, mourning, uh, commemoration, um, and collective gathering are possible. Uh, one needs to one needs to find a virtual space mm-hmm. um, in which these are in which this is this is possible. And so, so the novel is thinking through that a lot and what those virtual spaces might be, uh, the degree to which they exist in the mind, the degree to which they exist. Uh, on the internet, mm-hmm. um, uh, in which they're archived in various uh, uh, difficult to find, inaccessible or invisible spaces, mm-hmm. and potentially the degree to which they can then 
maybe be kind of remapped onto the territory? I mean, I asked that just with the, the with Krishan's kind of physical journey through space, like the train journey uh, he takes to the north. We we get the sense as readers that there's something about the sort of the uh, the, the the actual the act of uh, passing across the landscape um that he's able to it sort of it it stirs his memories it sort of provokes something in in him and it, that allows him to to perhaps piece together certain memories and certain feelings in a way that he hadn't uh, hadn't been able to before yeah there's this um there's this uh, passage where uh, he he that describes his first um his first entry into the into the northeast after mm. the war, a place that he'd imagined mm. so much and that he'd seen so many images of and so many documentaries of and um, heard so much about, and how he feels like he's uh, walking over some, he's he's walking across some some distant region mm-hmm. in the outskirts of his mind, and um, and there's this sense that uh, uh, to uh, uh, two visions have been um, have been superimposed on mm-hmm. one another, or that, or that um, there's some kind of stereoscopic, I believe you call mm-hmm. it, when yeah, yeah. Uh, when uh, the real and the virtual are, are suddenly um, in alignment in mm-hmm. some kind of way, uh, and it's a very strange feeling. For example, he describes, uh, or there's a section in the book that describes him walking very lightly mm-hmm. across uh, certain pieces of certain stretches of land uh even though you know people are like digging the land people are walking they're like mm-hmm. uh, like throwing trash or whatever he being an outsider who has only imagined this space treads very lightly because he knows people have died here mm-hmm. or because he feels that or senses that people have died here yeah, yeah. and so the book is also a lot about uh, uh the 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 contradictions or the misalignments that happens mm. from that stereo, the stereos, that the process of stereoscoping. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it just strikes me as well that there's this sort of uh, there's something about having a trajectory at all seems to be something which he, uh, which Krishan sort of um, uh, feels in need of, or something which he felt a lack of at the at, at the beginning. Like there's quite a few references to. Um, the horizon um and there's something um it's funny sort of having um having grown up by the by the sea and having lived in kind of a landlocked city for uh particularly over the last few years hardly leaving it at all i've really come to realize how important the horizon is to me but as a kind of almost a sort of a soothing a sort of reassuring presence and one thing that was interesting reading this book is that sort of that's not quite the feeling we have of the horizon as kind of Krishan reflects upon it it's almost like there's there's something um I guess something sort of looming on the horizons and so that's and so something can kind of it could be good it could be bad but there's this sort of this this sort of unknown presence just beyond where where he can see and it's something which also completely surrounds him uh and so you know the horizon could be heading off to his left to his right or whatever and the comparison with another character who we haven't talked about yet, but who's crucial to this book, uh, Andrum, his uh, ex-girlfriend, who um, I think there's one moment where, you know, she says to him, you know, basically, my life is going in this direction and your life doesn't seem to be going in any direction right. at all. <laughs> right. And and it, it seems to be that part of his, 
I don't like this word, but kind of his journey, so to speak, in A Passage North, is having a direction. Not necessarily the right direction, the good one, but just being able to move in one sense seems uh, in some way important to him. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think in that, that, that the importance of trajectory or direction uh, to Krishan uh, or the sense that it's been lost uh, or that there was something that maybe around which he could organize his life, mm-hmm. uh, but that it's now lost. Um, I mean, that I, I think it, it mimics uh, a kind of loss of trajectory in uh, the Tamil community because I think uh, uh, so long as the tigers existed, the Tamil tigers, uh, um, uh, it seemed that a future state in the Northeast, uh, for better or worse, uh, whatever kind of state it turned out to be uh, and whatever rulers the Tamil Tigers turned out to be, uh, that there was something in the future, mm-hmm. uh, something that could be good mm-hmm. or could be bad, but something in the future on which we can stake ourselves mm-hmm. and on which... Um, uh, and and whose nature will depend on us mm-hmm. and on what we contribute to it. Uh, whether people were, were... Whether one was... Um, happy for this possibility or this sense of the future or when or whether one was not it existed mm. uh, uh, the idea that um, that there is some there is some future that possibly one will have a hand in mm-hmm. uh, and and so with the end of the war and with the total devastation of society in the northeast um, uh, that loss of direction or loss mm-hmm. of trajectory has been has been very palpable. That loss of direction and loss of traje- I mean that direction and the trajectory helps or or can that kind of direction can help a lot of people deal with a lot of difficult situations mm-hmm. can with with otherwise very painful and very uh, very difficult lives. Yeah. Uh, and that pain and the difficulty has increased, but now the the direction has disappeared. Mm. And I guess one of those people who who has that sort of um, has found as, as a direction is Anjum and like she's got her sort of political activism. And one thing that's very striking is that sort of you know, they, they, they have this relationship, but there's never a sense really that Krishan is going to follow her down that path. Like there doesn't seem to be a sort of a, a sort of a tendency to ideology in him or to to sort of activism in a way and it and it, it it doesn't seem to be like he that it's something that is particularly you know philosophical it just seems almost mm-hmm. essential to his being that mm-hmm. he's not a kind of um yeah an ideological an ideological person right yeah yeah i think yeah he's very he's very introspective he reflects a lot he's often uncertain about his reflection mm-hmm. so uh, uh, questions uh, his knowledge of subjects. He uh, uh, and he yes, and he seems and he seems more interested in 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 dwelling on these things mm-hmm. than he does on uh, or cap- uh, capable of dwelling than he does uh, 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 of acting mm-hmm. upon these situations. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I think I think that is right. I think that that, that is his temperament. 
and he seems drawn as well um, towards uh, Buddhism, uh, or at least to sort of to certain of the. I don't know if it's the kind of the potential for sort of transcending certain things like desire or or something so, like that. It does exist in in a lot of mm. uh, strands of Hinduism too. True, yeah. true, true. Um, and in other religions as well. Like I know there was there's a moment where he talks about sort of giving himself over to a higher power or the capacity yeah. to do that, which of course is sort of like fundamental to uh sort of things like Alcoholics Anonymous which are founded yeah, in sort of yeah. like Christian uh yeah, yeah. sort of ideology. But... Yeah. Um yeah there is I mean there is a, I mean religion I mean this 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 book is also about um uh about the idea of devotion. Mm-hmm. Um uh whether it's Anjum's devotion to a cause or the the uh, devotion of um uh, of 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 uh, early Tamil separatists or mm-hmm. Tiger Kadas to their cause, uh, um, one of the subjects of this book is also conviction mm-hmm. and and devotion and that and specifically the the religious devotion that that involves belief in another world. Mm-hmm. This is how I mm-hmm. distinguish. Uh, I mean, for me, a belief is religious or an ideology is religious if if it believe if if it um, if it involves belief in a world that is in in some significant way cut off from mm-hmm. our own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and 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 so uh, in this sense, Rani mm-hmm. is a devotee uh, of the world that contains her sons, mm-hmm. which she is cut off from now. And uh, Anjum is a devotee of a world that she. She wants to bring about, but is 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 cynical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will ever happen, uh, and uh, and and the separatists mm-hmm. were all devotees mm-hmm. of of another of another world, a world that they're willing to die for. I mean, it's this kind of belief in another world that mm-hmm. really, uh, um, I mean, it's a kind of uh, the force that has been harnessed by a lot of a uh, lot of people and a lot of movements. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but um, and Krishan himself is drawn to this kind of mm-hmm. like to to religious thought or religious uh, uh, literature. Mm. Yeah. Although it strikes me drawn to it, but perhaps not. I, I don't know. Not it, he. There seems to be almost a sort of a, um, a sort of a fundamental sort of incapacity to necessarily kind of take the step of uh, of giving himself over to it in a way. Maybe it's his sort of. You talked about his kind of reflective. Uh, sort of temperament, uh, sort of analytical temperament, and then perhaps is—I don't know. Again, it's sort of—it's uh, something that I, I say this because it's something I feel I recognise in myself as well. Yeah. This sort of like this being attracted to certain philosophies and certain religions, but sort of being in some way sort of fundamentally unsuited to taking that final <laughs> sort of yeah. devotional step, the leap of faith, I guess. Right. Well, you know, I wrote my dissertation on uh, on William James huh. on the varieties of religious experience. Right, okay. yeah. I don't know if you've read that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, really, ago, it's really yeah. one of my favourite uh, philosophical texts. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I mean it's, uh, it really depends on how you understand mm. uh, the notion of another world, right? Yeah, in a, in yeah, a sense... Yeah. Uh, Kishan's commitment uh, before he returns to the northeast of 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 building in his mind of reconstructing mm-hmm. in his mind the events of the of the war reconstructing in his mind um uh the the world that has been destroyed 
is also a kind of devotional act or religious sure. act. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like to. I, we're running out of time, but one thing I'd like to to finish on is just a sort of. I guess it's a more sort of um, sort of writerly question in a way. The one thing that really um, struck me about a passage north is the um, that at certain moments. The book wears its kind of, uh, I guess, literary devices on its sleeve in a way. And I think that's partly due, due to the kind of um, the the temperament of Krishan. And we spend so much time with him. So, again, like that, um, that, that idea that I, that, I, that I quoted in the introduction of sort of, um, I suppose what I'm saying is perhaps less kind of assured writers <laughs> might sort of take that idea of, OK, it's uh it's not just a passage you know a physical passage north but also a sort of a psychological mental passage north but they would never um perhaps state it outright for fear that they sort of you know the um the the reader may uh you know they they would let the reader discover it for themselves that, 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 mm. let's say and there's something i found incredibly refreshing and incredibly a sort of I suppose the word I, I have it came to mind, it kind of like roots me as a reader, was kind of feeling that you were sort of um, able to to kind of to assert these things, mm-hmm. sort of the, the, what 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 the book was doing, what Krishan was doing mm-hmm. uh, in, in the way his thought process was working without feeling that it was sort of in any way um, sort of being too sort of uh, exposing too much the sort of the workings of the text. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you should have seen the early drafts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I think, I don't know what that has to do with. I would say it probably has to do with, um, well, I'm not I'm not a very, uh, uh, I don't tend towards subtlety in my writing, I think. Um, there may be, uh, uh, um, uh, there may be uh, uh, more subtle moments uh, at at uh, from time to time, but um, I do tend towards uh, explicitness. Mm-hmm. I do tend uh, uh, towards statement. Mm-hmm. Um, I and it it comes from a certain kind of impatience, mm-hmm. I think. Um, mm-hmm. And I can think of a few reasons. I didn't actually have any formal education in 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 English literature or in any kind of literature actually. Um, uh, and my entry into reading really happened through philosophy, mm-hmm. where, as you know, uh, one doesn't show at all; one only tells. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, and I was drawn to philosophy for this reason. Um, uh, I've always been also drawn to um, to self help. Um, actually, mm. the the really the the only books that I had that we had in our house growing up were maybe uh, a few self help books mm. in English that my father did when he was young, uh, and uh, um, uh, and these books uh, they're explicit. They have the uh, they have the virtue that uh, where they go wrong, it's obvious that they've gone wrong because they've shown their cards. And so um, I guess because of this early exposure to self-help maybe and also because of um, uh, because I entered literature through philosophy, which is all about making things explicit, um, I sometimes grow impatient. This is just a personal thing, but I, I grow impatient with... Um, 
with uh, with um, with writers who tend to work through illusion, mm-hmm. who tend to work uh, uh, by circling. I mean, I've tried to I've tried to become more patient. I think I have with this book. Um, uh, 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 learned how to use strategies that are a little less um, uh, uh, kind of um, looking straight forward mm-hmm. um, to be able to approach things obliquely um, but yeah but for whatever reason I you know I um, uh, and, and, and why and I, I also don't understand in a time when the novel is 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 constantly incorporating new different kinds of discourse, whether that's poetic discourse, whether that's uh, memoir, or whether that's um, uh, art criticism. Uh, 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 why should it also not be uh, literary criticism? And why should that literary criticism also not be directed to the text mm-hmm. uh, itself? Why should why should the text try to 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 hide what it's doing in uh-huh. some sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think for me that the sort of the effect that that has is in sort of avoiding those kind of that kind of elusive approach it allows for a kind of a subtlety and complexity to sort of to blossom within the text in a in a sort of a more sort of um I perhaps I don't know organic way I suppose um I'm glad you felt that way <laughs> uh, and look that's all we've got time for thank you so much for joining us today of course a passage north is uh available in uh store Shakespeare and Company on the Shakespeare and Company website or from your local neighborhood independent bookstore wherever you're listening from all that remains for me to say is yeah thanks for joining us today thank you so much for having me and thank you for reading the book thanks for listening to the Shakespeare and Company podcast with me Adam Biles Since you've made it this far, I hope that means you've enjoyed what you've heard and will consider rating us in whatever app you're using. The theme music is Mr Ginger by the incredible jazz musician Alex Fryman, taken from his album Play It Gentle. I'll be back next week. Until then, take care, happy reading and thanks again for listening.